one. They listen to Anthony Oliver, and they're like, yeah, I hate my job, so I go home and drink at night. Well, that's because you're trying to find your identity in your job. But what if your job is there so that you can provide for others? Like, that was the meaning of work from the very beginning. When God set Adam in the garden, he didn't say your identity is going to be as a gardener. He said, no, be fruitful, right? Like, that's the purpose. That's the purpose of your work. Most of the men I work with, they leave like this wake of destruction and this wake of brokenness because they don't have a solid, good definition. You can't become what you can't define. Everyone today is looking for a quick fix, how to get rich quick, how to be successful quick, um, how to become a man quickly. That's not how manhood works at all. Becoming a man is like wind carving a stone. It's a long, gradual, sometimes arduous process. It is a uphill climb. The problem is that most men are bringing a downhill effort, which is why they're not getting the results that they should be. This is the hard path with me, Chris Harper. You know, like, it was funny seeing my song in the presidential debate. Because it's like, I wrote that song about those people, you know? So for them to have to sit there and listen to that, uh, that cracks me up. But it was funny kind of seeing the response to it. Like, that song has nothing to do with Joe Biden, you know? It's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. That song was written about the people on, the, on that stage. And a lot more, too. Not just them, but, but definitely them. Yeah, it's super interesting. You know, Oliver Anthony, he's got this... I mean, it was the number one song in the world. You know, he writes this, this song about the working middle class, right? Rich men north of Richmond, which I absolutely, I'm a, I'm a wordsmith, so I love the play on words. Like, the, he's a word wizard, man. He's, he's so cool. Everybody takes that song and wants to, wants to weaponize it. And, and you see the right using it. You see the left using it. And in doing that, they just completely miss the, miss the point like it's not a it's not a political song it's actually a song about the about the working class about the largest class of people that make up our country i mean when you look at look at the lyrics how the song opens i've been selling my soul working all day overtime hours for bullshit pay so i can sit out here and waste my life away drag back home and drown my troubles away I think this song resonates with with so many people because we're all feeling that. Like to some degree, we feel dissatisfaction with our work, and this really this really plagues men. Um, I don't know if it affects a population more than it affects men. Men just feeling dissatisfied in their work, and that's exactly. Uh, what Oliver Anthony is talking about. Like, that's exactly the heart of the matter. That's what he's getting at, that, that we have this entire class of people, uh, the working middle class, and at the end of the day, uh, they don't feel like they're accomplishing anything. They don't feel like they have purpose. They don't feel like they have uh, deep meaning and, and satisfaction uh, in their life, uh, which really is um, normal, right? When, when you spend 70% of your time at your job, when you spend 70% of your time in a career uh, and you're not getting from it what you think you should be getting from it, you're going to be dissatisfied. 
um, you're going to be disenfranchised. Um, you know, as, as men, we're wired to work. Like we're wired to produce, not just consume. As a matter of fact, a lot of men feel dissatisfied and disenfranchised because all they do is consume. Uh, and that, that makes you feel less than because you, you kind of are less than. When all you're doing is taking and taking and taking and not giving, um, you're going to feel some kind of way. As a man, we're, we're created, we're wired to produce. Like when we walk into a room, when we walk into a situation, when we walk onto the assembly line, we want to make something. We want to leave that day knowing that the world is better, that the world is safer, that the world is healthier because we've contributed, because we, we've done something. And, and because of such, men gravitate towards work. Um, it's, it's naturally in us. It's a call in us. We want to work. You know, the average man is going to spend 70% of his life, 70% of his time he's going to spend at work. And if you're spending that much time on something, if you're spending that much time giving your life to something, man, you want to feel satisfaction. I get it. Like you need to be satisfied in that. And the problem is men are not satisfied in their work. And I think they're not satisfied in their work because they really don't know the purpose and meaning behind work. Like what is work for? So, so when you don't know what work is for, there, there really are three dangers, right? Uh, the first danger is pride. The next danger is failure. And then the third danger is boredom. When you don't know what your work's for, those three things will plague you and they will lead to dissatisfaction and disenfranchisement. So, so the first is, is, is that pride. Um, when you don't know the purpose behind work, you'll start to find your identity in work. Um, success becomes the ultimate goal and, and pride will fuel your purpose at work. So if you're not su succeeding, if you're not getting the raise, if you're not getting the corner office, if you're not getting the promotion that your college buddy got, like you're going to feel less than. You're going to feel dissatisfied. Um, your work is going to start to lose its meaning. That's what happens when pride fuels your work. It's the same thing with failure. Failure is just a form of subtle pride, right? It's self-pity. Uh, when you begin to fail at work, that becomes your identity. So when uh, the project doesn't go your way or the promotion doesn't go your way, you didn't get the raise that you thought you were going to get, you didn't get the office you thought you were going to get, you feel like you failed, so you'll begin to, to resign at your work. You'll begin to um, not give it your all, right? Um, shame and guilt kind of plague you, and then your work will lose its meaning. And then lastly, boredom. I can't tell you how many men. I interact with tens of thousands of men. I can't tell you how many men feel bored at work. Just bored. Now, a piece of that is our attention spans are so short <laughs> that we have, a, we, we have problems, you know, giving, giving our full effort and our full attention to things. But, but the reality is they feel bored at work because they don't know the purpose and meaning behind work, which is why so many people switch careers. Now, I want you to think about this. 40, 50 years ago, it was not uncommon for a man to work 20 or 30 years at the same place. It wasn't uncommon for a man to go to work for Ford Motor Company or GM, retire from there, get the gold watch, and then go play golf every day. That was kind of the norm. That was the goal. Today, completely different. Today, the average man will have seven, not just seven different jobs. He will have seven different careers. 
He will change career seven different times. Why is that? Well, it's because he's not satisfied, because he's bored. And whether it's pride, whether it's failure, whether it's boredom, um, leaving you dissatisfied in your work, um, it all comes, it all stems from, from the fact we don't know what work is for. We don't know. Today, we've, we've bought into kind of this cultural lie that, that somehow work is supposed to give us meaning. That as a man, because I spend so much time at work, I'm supposed to find meaning in my work. What if I told you that's not true? What if I told you that, that work vocation isn't there to, to necessarily give you meaning? What if I told you work is there um, as a provision and that, that the main impetus of work, like the main function of work is so that you can be a provider, not just a provider for yourself, uh, but a provider for your family and then a provider for uh, your community, uh, for, for those around you. I love what, what one famous reformer, uh, Martin Luther said. He, said. he said, God doesn't need your good works like, like God owns everything. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Like your neighbor needs you to work, right? Because, because as men, when we're working through the lens of provision, so whether we're sweeping streets, whether we're washing dishes, whether we're doing open heart surgery, like we're working as a means of provision. I'm doing this work to earn a wage, and, and I get it, man. Sometimes you feel like that wage isn't fair, or sometimes you feel like that wage isn't enough. More times than not, you feel like that wage isn't enough because you're outliving your means. And I'll, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the reason why you don't make enough money is because you spend too much money. Uh, and that's a problem. But, but we, don't, we don't feel like work is enough because we don't see it as, as its main end is provision. Like I'm working right now. So I have a full-time job. I work because I need to provide for myself and for my family. I work because I want to be a provider for my community. If my neighbor needs something, um, I work to help provide for that neighbor. So I've, I've long seen vocation and calling um, as a means to an end. And that end is I want to be a provider. I just don't want to consume. I want to provide. So one of the reasons maybe you feel like, man, I don't earn enough money um, so, so the, the goal is just to go earn more money. It's, it's not really because you don't earn enough money. Maybe it's because you're not living within your means, right? Um, you're dissatisfied because you're always looking at what everybody else has and you want that thing. I mean, the reality is you don't need an $80,000 truck, but because your neighbor has an $80,000 truck, you want an $80,000 truck or because your coworker has an $80,000 truck, you want an $80,000 truck. The reality is you don't, you don't need a truck, but because you're finding purpose, because you're finding identity, because you're finding success in that $80,000 Ford Raptor, like that's what you're going after. So what happens? Well, one of two things, right? Um, maybe you work hard enough, you do a side hustle, maybe you get the raise and you buy the truck. Well, after you've had the truck for six months, guess what Ford does? They produce a new Raptor. <laughs> like, like there's another model. There's, there's a reason why no one is still using the iPhone 3. 
No, we're using the iPhone 13 because, because there's something always newer. There's something always better. So you get in this you get in this perpetual loop of what? It's what we talked about at the beginning of the show, consumption. You have to understand, like, that's what culture, as a man, culture doesn't want you to be a producer. They want you to be a consumer. As long as you keep consuming, you'll have to keep producing to some level because you want to consume, and you become, you become a slave to consumption. It's the reason why when you scroll on Instagram, every other ad is asking you to buy something. It's it's the best underwear or the best shirt for a man or the best shoes for a man. Like everything is is targeting your 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 soul that wants to consume. Why is that? Well, again, another famous reformer named John Calvin said our hearts are perpetual idol factories. Like they're just they're just producing these idols because we want and we want, and we want. So, so the first thing that can happen is um, you actually make enough money where you go and buy that truck. Uh, the problem is there's going to be another truck. More times than not, though, it's not the first scenario. It's the second scenario. Um, you buy the truck and shouldn't buy the truck. So you leverage everything you have, and, and you become truck poor, right? Because all your money is going to pay for this, um, you know, this truck named after a prehistoric dinosaur, which is just crazy. All your resources go to that, uh, and you don't actually get to enjoy life because you're truck poor. And the reality is um, we're not just truck poor. I've met, I've met a lot of guys that are house poor. I was, I, I was in a neighborhood, um, gated community, you know, houses were, were a million dollars plus. I was visiting a guy, and he just had a neighbor move in. And, uh, and the neighbor came over to the house and, and basically said he had been working his whole life to move onto this street. He had been working his whole life to buy a house on this street. So we go over to check out the house, and it's interesting. I go into the house, and there's no furniture. Like, literally, my guy has folding chairs in the living room. He's sitting on folding chairs watching a, a flat-screen TV that he bought at some Black Friday sale. My man was so house-poor he didn't even have a couch to sleep on. I mean, think about that. I wonder how many men live that way. Like, like you're being robbed of the joys of life because you've got to have a new truck, because you've got to have a bigger home, because um, the last vacation wasn't enough, and you're just caught in this, in this cycle of wanting more and doing more and, and what's new and what's better. And, and we wonder why we wonder why we have very little satisfaction. We wonder why we're not um, finding purpose and, and, and meaning in, in, in our work. You know, there's something that, that I tell men all the time, something that I've, I've been teaching my kids since they were born, and it's, it's this little phrase, right? Uh, and we say, we say gratitude. Gratitude is powerful because gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. That's what's so amazing about gratitude. Like being grateful, being thankful, takes what you have and makes it enough. So, so what if I told you to, to fight the dissatisfaction you're having at work right now? To fight the discontentment you're having at work right now? What if I told you the, the number one weapon against that is actually being grateful? When's the last time you woke up and you were just grateful for the house that you lived in? 
that you were just grateful that that you had a car to drive. Um, years ago, my wife my wife took a trip to Haiti. She was going to Haiti to serve. And for some odd reason, she took her car keys with her. I don't know why. I don't know why you would take your Volkswagen Jetta keys to Haiti, but she did. I ain't mad at you, honey. So she takes her car keys to Haiti, and, 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 and what happens? Well, yeah, she loses her keys in Haiti. So she gets back. Man, we're living in this little flat downtown. We don't have a lot of money. Um, I've got a truck. She has this car that she's had from since college, right? And, and she's like, hey, I've lost the keys. So um, I call the Volkswagen dealership. Of course, it's a laser cut key. So they have to bring someone out to my house um, and laser cut the key, or we can have a tow truck take the car to Volkswagen and have them laser cut the key there. Anyway, either way, it's going to be $1,000, and I don't have $1,000. So, so I remember telling her, hey, you drive my truck. I'm going to ride my bike all around town. I'm going to ride my bike to work. And then when we save $1,000, we'll go have the key cut. And, and for two months, that's what I did. She drove my truck to work because, because that's what a real man does. You sacrifice for, for the woman in your life. She drove my truck to work, and then, and then I rode a bike around town uh, until I saved up, saved up the money to get that, to get that key cut. I remember, I remember complaining about that and then one day just saying, you know what, I'm not going to complain about riding this bike anymore. I'm just going to be thankful that I have a bike to ride. I'm going to be thankful that I'm not walking to work like, like a lot of people have to do, especially those outside of the West, right? So I, just, I was just grateful for having the bicycle. And, and, and one morning, I wake up one morning, and I hear a tow truck behind my building, and I see this tow truck loading, loading the car uh, up on the truck. So I go outside, and I said, hey, man, what are you doing? You're taking my wife's car. He's like, yeah, somebody paid us to come get it and take the car to get, to get a key cut. And I'm like, who? And, and the, the tow truck driver tells me, tells me the guy's name, and it was actually my wife's grandfather. My wife's grandfather had paid. He heard I was riding a bike around town, so he had paid to get the, to get the key cut. So later that afternoon, I call him up, and I said, hey, man, um, actually, I've saved about seven or $800. Um, I'd like to bring it to you and at least give you $800 bucks for, for, for what you did. It was, it was amazing what you did. And he was like, no, man, keep the 800 bucks. I wanted to do that for you and Allison, and, and uh, don't, worry about, don't worry about it. What was crazy is I hung up the phone that day. It's a true story. I hung up the phone, and then immediately a friend of mine called. And he's panicking. And I said, bro, what's wrong? He said, heart, man, I didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell you, but I've actually missed a couple of car payments, and they're repossessing my car right now, and I'm not going to have a car. And I said, I said, let me guess, you need about $800. And he said, bro, how did you know that? I said, dude, I got you. I'm bringing $800 to you right now. And I just paid it forward. It's amazing how gratitude will do that. Like gratitude takes what you have and, and makes it enough. And then, and then when you do experience a blessing, like, like someone paying to have your key laser cut, man, you can take that and you can pay it forward. And you can do that because, because you're not wrapped up in stuff. You're not wrapped up in, in material things. You don't have an exorbitant car payment 
and an exorbitant house payment, and you're not just living for the next vacation, and 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 you're not living to, to to move to the next street over. I remember years ago after grad school, I took a job in South Florida, and 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 I remember I bought a I bought a beach house. It wasn't on the beach, but it was like it was like half a mile off the beach, and let's just say let's just say it was a four hundred thousand dollar home, right? And I was super naive and I was super dumb and, 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 and I bought this house. And, and I remember driving to work and, and two streets over were the $750,000 homes. And I remember thinking, man, I can't wait to live on that street. And then two streets over were the million five dollar homes. And I thought, man, I wonder if I'll ever make enough one day to live on that street. And then two streets over were the five million dollar homes. And I thought, man, I wonder if I could ever live on that street. And then as I'm driving, it just hits me. Man, is that, is that all there is to life? Just moving two streets at a time? Like how pointless is that? How pointless is it to, to, to work your entire life, to give your life to something just so you can move a block down the road? Like there has to be more to life than this. And that's what, man, that's what Oliver Anthony is getting at, right? He doesn't say it in his lyrics because it's, it's this blue-collar, middle-class anthem, right? He is trying to rally people, whether he's saying that or not. Like, he's trying to express the frustration they're feeling. But, but the frustration they're feeling isn't, isn't with their wage. It's not with the amount of money they're getting paid. The frustration they're feeling is with satisfaction in life. Man, they're dissatisfied in their life. And, and let me tell you why that is. It's because they're not grateful. We're just not a grateful people. Like gratitude is not like a natural inclination of our hearts. Man, we don't wake up thankful for what we have. We wake up wanting the next thing. We wake up dreaming about a better life, and we never appreciate. We never show thankfulness for the life we have right now. And when we get sucked into that trap, which is, which is the majority of what you see and what you hear and what you read. It wants you to think that you don't have enough. Like every iPhone commercial you've ever watched is making you feel like if you don't get the next iPhone, you're missing out on something. Like your life is going to be less than because you don't have a new truck, because you're not wearing the best clothes, because you don't live two streets down. Somehow you're missing out on something. And it's, and it's, it's false, man. It's not real. It's a mirage. Your, your life is, is unsatisfactory. Your life is disenfranchised. You're not finding purpose and meaning right now because you're not grateful, not because you don't make enough money. And, and this is nothing new. Like studies have proven this. Like Harvard studies have proven that, that once someone gets a 10%, 15%, 20% raise, within six months they're dissatisfied because that 20% wasn't enough. Like, like they just want more because typically our, our standard of living increases with the amount of money we make, and it's never enough. Like we always want more. Man, this comes down to having a heart of gratitude, having a heart of, of thanksgiving, right? What if I told you your satisfaction in your work um, isn't going to come from you getting that corner office, it's going to come from right now today, you start being thankful for what you have. Just start for being, just start by being thankful for the office that you have. Start by 
by being thankful for the position in the company that you have. I get it, man. You're an intern. You're on the lowest rung. Man, be thankful for having that intern spot and be the best damn intern you can be. Like, be the best intern you can be. Like, absolutely crush it. Give it your all. Every day, wake up, be positive, be thankful. Man, I'm going to come to work today. You know what? I don't have the position necessarily I think I want or I don't have the position necessarily um, I think I deserve. But instead of worrying about that and focusing on that and running for that, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best I can be in the position I'm in. And, and here's what I believe, and this is what I've experienced. Like people will notice that. Like when you're grateful, when you're thankful, and when you're giving it your all, like you can't help but be promoted. <laughs> Like, you can't help but be boosted up. Like, people are going to take notice of that, and you're going to emerge as a leader. While everyone else is complaining about what they don't have, and you're showing thankfulness for what you do have, like, there's going to be something different about you. Like, that's the hard path. It's easy to sit around and, and complain about what you don't have. I had a mentor that would always tell me, Chris, any idiot can look up and predict that it's going to rain. All you have to do is look at the sky. You only get points for building boats. Like, he wanted people that builds boats. Bro, I'm telling you, go be a boat builder. Like, just don't sit around and complain and, and be disgruntled and, and talk about how, how, wish, how, how, how you wish you had more. No, no, no. Just be thankful for what you do have. Be grateful for what you do have, and then watch how your countenance changes. Watch how your heart changes. Watch how your language. Watch how, 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 how your interaction with other people changes. Like, like when, you're, when you're thankful for what you have, this is the amazing thing about gratitude. It not only takes what we have and makes it enough, but we also begin to get a sense of what we have is not really ours. So like we can hold on to it loosely so that, that when my wife needs a car to drive, I have no problem just giving her my truck and taking a bike because it's not really mine, right? Like I'm holding on to it loosely when my neighbor needs something. When a colleague needs something, like, like I can be there to help them and to provide because, because I'm thankful for what little or for, or for what much I have. And here's the deal, like, like if you're a guy listening to this right now and, and maybe you're thinking, well, that doesn't really apply to me because um, I've got a lot. Like I've gotten everything I've wanted. I've gotten everything I've dreamed for. Like I've had this kind of ultra success. Um. Like, you need to hear me say, you, you have a great responsibility. Like, if your whole purpose in life is just to, to be successful and more successful and more successful, like, you too are quickly going to discover that that leads to emptiness and to nothingness. And that's, man, man that's nothing new. What, what Oliver Anthony is singing about is just, is, it, it's new form nihilism with a country twang. That's what it is. It's nihilism with a twang. And, and, even the nihilists weren't saying anything new, like go back 3,000, 4,000 years to King Solomon. King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. King Solomon said, listen, I've tried everything, and it's all meaningless, right? It's because when we try to find purpose and meaning in stuff, in things, in success, it turns out empty. Man, if, if, if you have a lot, like if you have more than the average man, Man, your responsibility should be, one, being thankful that you have more, but then, two, giving that away, man, sharing your success, sharing your wealth, sharing your knowledge, right? 
and and there again there's nothing wrong with being successful but i always tell men like if you're going to be successful have one hand up the ladder and have one hand down the ladder pulling somebody else up with you like like you've got to have that mindset i've got one hand up the ladder i've got one hand down the ladder right i'm going to i'm going to share my 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 success with others and and that again is going to cultivate a heart of gratitude it's going to cultivate a heart of 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 thanksgiving thanksgiving right and and when you do that you can fight against the pride that comes from being successful at work when you do that you can fight against the failure that will ultimately come with work like failure won't be your end when you do that you can you can fight against the boredom right you're not just looking for the next best thing you're trying to be the best at the thing you're in right now right i'm telling you do that and and Songs like Oliver Anthony's won't be as popular, right? Because, because we won't be disenfranchised. We won't be dissatisfied. We won't want to blame someone else for the fact that we make a wage less than what we think we should be making. No, man, be, be thankful for what you have. And, and, and maybe you're saying, well, Chris, that's easy for you to say because, because maybe I have more than the average person. No, like... Like, I'm telling you that as a person that's experienced both. Like, I know what it is to have nothing. I grew up in backwoods, Kentucky, where we had nothing. Nothing. Right? And I've also lived, I've also lived in the beach house. Right? I've, I've, I've lived better than, mo- more than most. And, and, and I can tell you, having a lot and having little, man, the answer is to be content in all things is to be grateful and content in all things. Whether you have little, man, be thankful. Whether you have a lot, man, be thankful. One hand up the ladder, one hand down the ladder. The purpose in your work, the reason why you were created to work and not just consume is because you are a provider. Whatever you're doing right now, it's to make provision for yourself. It's to make provision for your family. It's to make provision for your neighbor. And as a man, you're willing to do that. I have worked some jobs that, that the, the average person would look at me and say, you know, you know, don't you think that job's beneath you? I remember working to make extra money, working at an after-school program, sweeping up SpaghettiOs off the floor and thinking to myself, you know, I have a, I have a master's degree. I have a doctorate, and I'm sweeping SpaghettiOs off the floor. But then I remembered man, I'm doing this so that I can buy school shoes for my kids. Like, I'm doing this so um, I can, you know, fill in the blank. Like, I wasn't finding my identity and purpose from sweeping SpaghettiOs up off the floor. I was finding my identity and purpose because I was working so that I could be a provider. I will do whatever I have to do to take care of myself and my family. More so, I will do whatever I have to do to take care of my neighbors, Right, Because as a man, I'm built to be a provider, not a consumer. That's what you're fighting against. You're fighting against all the noise, all the voices that are saying you're here to consume. You're not here to consume. Yes, enjoy the fruits of your labor. And yes, enjoy the good gifts of this life. But you are here first and foremost to provide. And when you begin to see your work as a means of provision, not as a means of finding purpose, not as a means of finding satisfaction. When you begin to see your work as a means of, of, of provision, 
Man, satisfaction and purpose will come in other things. You'll find meaning and satisfaction in, in being a father. You'll find meaning and satisfaction in being a husband. You'll find meaning and satisfaction. You can find meaning and satisfaction in a hobby. There are a lot of jobs I've worked to support a hobby that I was finding meaning and satisfaction in. Not meaning and satisfaction from my job. No, my job is an ends to a means. My job is there for me to be a provider. Man, when you start to see that, to grasp that, and then become grateful in the provisions you're, you're able to provide, your life will change. Your life will change. It's not easy. It's easy to sit and complain. It's easy to quit this job and go start another job. That's the easy way out. No, no, the hard path, I think, I think my great-grandfather had it right, who worked 30 years, who worked 30 years at the factory. If he were to be standing here right now and, and you were to ask him, man, did you find meaning and purpose uh, on that assembly line? I think he'll tell you no. But he wasn't looking for meaning and purpose on the assembly line. That assembly line gave him a weekly wage that helped him put food on the table and feed his wife and children. That assembly line gave him enough money to where if his neighbor needed something, he could help provide for his neighbor. And he wasn't finding meaning and purpose on the assembly line, and neither are you. But what you're finding is a way to be a provider, a way to be a producer so that you can help those around you. That's where purpose comes from. That's where meaning comes from. That's the underlining tone of Anthony Oliver's song. Yeah, yeah, you work all day and you go home and you get drunk because you're dissatisfied. It's because you're looking for satisfaction in, in the wrong place. Work was never meant to satisfy you. Work was always meant to be a means of provision. And when you start to grasp that, things will change.